0: more. Hey there, I'm Christine, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Equip and Empower podcast. Now my prayer is that our time together each week encourages you, awakens you to the purposes of God in your life, and activates you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly as you live on mission for Him. so grateful that you have joined me today. I know that God has a Word for you. Look, we are living in such, such anxious days. Today's message, I believe, is going to speak straight to your heart. We're going to learn what it is to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving to make our requests known to God so that the peace of God and who does not need the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts. I believe this is gonna be a word in season. Now look, if you are anywhere near as old as me, and I was born in 1966, so at 1988, I was 22 years old. And when I was 22 in Sydney, Australia, one of the biggest songs that was happening was written by Bubbing McFarren. You might remember it. it. He won the Grammy Award for the Song of the Year and it was called, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And I bet you're singing this. And, and I wish that I was able to sing this right now, but I don't have that ministry gift of singing, so I won't do that. But I remember... Everybody was singing this song everywhere we went, every restaurant, out on the streets, in cars, we were playing Don't Worry, Be Happy. And you know, the fact was, it didn't really even matter if you liked like unaccompanied reggae or not. The song was so catchy. You you couldn't help but find yourself singing it and you know, the lyrics to it, well, you know, what I remember, I wish I could sing this for you, but it's like, here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Are you clicking your fingers at home right there? Be happy. In every life we have some trouble. When you worry, you make a double. Don't worry, be happy. And it says, don't worry, be happy now. It goes on to say, ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. The landlord says your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. You really wouldn't be happy if that was happening. He goes on, ain't got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile, but don't worry, be happy, because when you worry, your face will frown and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry, be happy. And then it keeps going, don't worry, be happy. Now there is the song I wrote. I hope you learned it note for note. Like good little children, don't worry, be happy. Listen to what I say in your life. Expect some trouble. When you worry, you make a double. Don't worry, be happy. Okay, that was a blast from the past. The truth is though, no doubt about it. As fun as that song sounds, um, you know what? It, it was nothing but pure escapism. And it's not real life. That's what each and every one of us know. Because in real life, in real life, every one of us, we have pain, pain, And we experience suffering and we experience loss and grief and heartbreak and disappointment and betrayal. I mean, we're in the midst still of a a global pandemic. There is sickness everywhere. There there is disease everywhere. We're, We're experiencing many of us economic instability and there's political divisions all across the world. Crime is up. Violence is up. Injustice is up. It's impossible to ignore that these things exist in our world today. And in fact, it's very dangerous to dismiss or to deny or to minimise the fact that there is so much adversity and chaos in the world today. Now, it would be great, great to live in a fantasy world where you could literally think, you know what? I'm not gonna worry, I'm just gonna be happy. I'm just gonna sing that song. I'm gonna escape, it's going to be awesome. But that's not the real world in which you and I live. And the fact is I I used that song as an example and I took some time to go through all of the choruses with great intentionality because here's the truth. I don't want you to think as we talk about this Scripture that I'm about to turn to in the Bible, I don't want you to think that Paul is echoing the same sentiments of, of Bobby McFerrin. I don't want you to think that Paul is saying in this Scripture, just don't worry, be happy. Because this Scripture is so familiar to so many of us that we can basically just switch off and not even hear what Paul is actually saying because because of what we think he is saying. And the fact is many of us, we think when we read this passage of Scripture in Philippians, we think Paul's just saying, hey, don't worry, be happy. And the fact is, none of us can relate to that. And then what we end up doing is just switching off in our minds and going, you know, the Bible just doesn't understand where I'm at. But I'm here to tell you that there is so much power in the words I'm about to read you from the Scripture. I want you to understand that today we are going to discover that you and I actually have a powerful a potent weapon at our disposal that can actually help to quench those anxious thoughts that we're having. And instead, you and I can know what it is to walk in peace in the midst of a chaotic, a turbulent and a volatile world. Our world is spiralling out of control. And you and I desperately need to know what it is to have the peace of God. Some of you, you haven't slept a night through in months. For some, it could even be years. And I'm believing that the power of this Word today is gonna bring peace to your heart and restore joy to your life and help to quench the anxious thoughts that have been tormenting you and that you have been wrestling with in your life. So in the book of Philippians, Chapter four, verse six and seven. I wanna read this scripture to you. And the Bible says in here, it's so well known. I want you to hear this. It says in verse six and seven, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a powerful portion of Scripture. Listen, I particularly love the epistle of the book of Philippians because Philippi, it's about 45 minutes away from our 821 headquarters up there in Thessaloniki, Greece. Now, I personally have been there multiple times. And, and so this letter to the church in Philippi, it's so near and dear to my heart. I get so fired up every time I read it because when Paul writes this Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he, he begins with this phrase and he says, don't worry about anything. And the fact is, if you and I didn't know the place, the physical place from which he penned these words, you and I might be tempted to just dismiss them as coming from, from an old man who didn't have any clue about what life in the real world is like. And I mean, how can we in the 21st century not worry about anything? I mean, we're living in turmoil. We're living in the midst of a global pandemic all around us. There's so much tragedy, there's so much suffering, there's so much sickness, there's so much disease. There are so many injustices that are surrounding us. Some of us are trying to raise teenagers. Some of us are are, are unsure about our job security or our careers. Some of us wonder, am am I ever going to get married? Some of us are are wondering, are our marriages even going to, to make it and There are constant environmental disasters and the economy is volatile. So listen, I'm not in denial. There are obviously lots of things to worry about in the natural. And yet Paul has the audacity to say to us, don't worry about anything. Like, I don't know. Was Paul listening to the Bobby McFerrin song like one time too many? Did he kind of have it on his Spotify list and and he just had it on repeat and it kept going? But here's the reality. Paul, when he was penning these words in the book of Philippians, he was actually in prison. He wrote this epistle to his beloved church in Philippi, but he wrote it from prison. You know, there's some debate among scholars about where this epistle was penned, but but most seem to agree that Paul was in a Roman prison when he wrote this letter. And along with the letter to the Ephesians and the Colossians and the letter to Philemon, this is considered to be one of what is known that the prison epistles, I mean, imagine having to write epistles while in chains for the sake of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only was the Apostle Paul in prison when he wrote this, but He had already experienced, you might remember, he'd experienced beatings and shipwrecks and hunger. and He had been chased from towns and he had had multiple imprisonments over the course of his life. And yet somehow in the midst of all of this, the Apostle Paul was able to maintain his joy and his peace and his passion for the spreading of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the world. So I've got to tell you up front, Personally, I am prepared to listen to somebody who tells me not to worry when they themselves are facing struggles and challenges. I couldn't even fathom what it must have been like for Paul. It would be difficult to take Paul's words seriously if like Paul had been sitting in a villa in Santorini, watching the sunset over the volcano, if he had no cares or no responsibilities or no trials or challenges. But the fact is, Paul was in a prison cell. He knew what it was like to suffer. And at the time that he wrote this letter to the Philippian church, the truth is he did not even know if he was going to be released from prison or whether he was going to be executed. So he was obviously under a great deal of stress. Do you get this? Obviously, he would have been feeling the feelings of anxiety in the natural going, I don't know, am I gonna be executed? Am I gonna be released? He's in the middle of a prison. He's got the concerns of the church all bearing down on him. And in the midst of that, he exhorts the Philippians to not worry about anything. I love the ESV rendering of this. It says, be anxious for nothing, nothing. So as you can tell from my accent, I grew up in, Australia, in Sydney, Australia. And I've got to tell you, one of the most famous sort of slang terms in Australia is we have this phrase. I grew up saying it, all of my friends said it. We would say, no worries, mate. Now, if you ever saw the movie Crocodile Dundee, then you would have heard Mike Dundee, the character that was played by Paul Hogan in the movie, say the phrase constantly, no worries, mate. He he just kept saying, no worries, mate. And basically that phrase, I love it. I love it about us Aussies. it, It basically means do not worry about that. And it reflects this sort of carefree and laid back attitude of Australians to most things. So I want you to know that I grew up in Australia. There was this like no worries, mate attitude, but I also grew up in a Greek family in Australia. And listen, you couldn't get two more polar opposites when it comes to anxiety and worry than the Australian sort of no worries, mate, and the Greek kind of living to worry. I have to tell you that Greeks basically were fatalists. It doesn't matter how bad things are for a Greek, they they could always get worse. In fact, in most Greek homes, um, you know, you're gonna find at least one or two of these things and I, I brought some in for you and they're actually called worry beads. Now, if you've ever seen kind of any on maybe on some social media or maybe on some TV, you've seen often old men sitting on chairs in Greek villages. And this is what they're doing. They're just counting their worry beads. It's just what you do. Because for a Greek, if if you're not worrying about something, you're not Greek. They just are, they just like have worry beads. Imagine, imagine having something called worry beads. So let me just go through and count all my worry beads. So I I grew up seeing many of these around the house and seeing uncles all play with worry beads. And you go through Greek villages today, you're gonna find people carrying their, their worry beads. Now, my Greek mother, she would worry about everything. She was always obsessed, my mum. I loved her dearly. But she would always worry that, Christine, you're going to catch a cold. She would always say to me, you need to take a jacket. Listen, I could have been in 100 degree weather going into Arizona during the middle of summer and my mother would be, take a jacket because, because you never know. You never know the weather might change, Christine, and you'll be cold. She, she was... Uh, worried that I was never going to get married because, you know, I wasn't dating anyone seriously at 16. It's like, hurry up, Christine, hurry up. There'll be no boys left if you don't find someone. You know, my mum would worry that maybe we might smash the, the special, special glasses that she had. She had received them in her wedding and they were very, very special, beautiful glasses, you know, to hold great, great drinks, but nobody could touch them because those glasses were in the special cabinet under lock and key and they were there because we were waiting for the special people to come and none of us could touch those glasses because we might break them and so we weren't allowed you know don't don't, don't touch them because you might break them now the fact is my mother passed away and we had never ever actually used the special glasses that she got at her wedding, which was over five decades before, because apparently the special people never came. You know, the fact is that worry was just part of it, whether it was breaking glasses, not getting married. I remember when Nick and I got married. Finally, my mum was so excited. Christine is 30 and married. And then she was so worried that I wasn't feeding Nick enough food. So she would come over to my place in Australia and she would have these big Greek meals spun and Musaka, and she would have them in Tupperware containers and she'd leave them at the door every day because she was so worried that, you know, Nick is gonna go hungry because my daughter doesn't know how to cook and I want Nick to stay with my daughter so I better bring food. And you might wonder why Nick literally Put on 30 pounds in the first six months of our marriage. You can thank my mother because she was so worried that Nick wasn't eating enough. You know, she would worry that we'd run out of Windex. And um, so we would always keep an extra supply of Windex in the garage everywhere we go. We have got enough Windex in our home to last until the second coming. So the deal is, you know, don't go on roller coasters. I'm just telling you the kind of things people worry about because, you know, Christine, if you go on a roller coaster, it might derail. If you go out late, don't go out late because your car, your car might break down and, and then you're gonna get mugged. And you know, if, if she would call the police if if I she couldn't get me on the phone for like 24 hours. So as you can see, I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek, but as you can see, what worry was woven into the very fabric of our home. Maybe worry is woven into the fabric of your home. We We might not all have a Greek mother, but the fact is that you and I, We have 24 seven access to everybody else's worries through our smartphones every day. The the media fills our heads with things to worry about consistently. Our peers and our associates, our friends or our colleagues, they're they're always sharing the latest thing that we should be worried about. We didn't know about the thing five minutes before, but now it's on our phone or someone's told us and we're worrying about things that we should not have even known about. So many of us are living in such anxiety, such worry and such stress because we have either grown up in environments just like I did where worry was part of the culture. So it's woven into the fabric of your thinking or we're surrounding ourselves with fear and doubt and negativity and toxic people. And we've got a constant stream of media coming in, filling us with anxiety and worry. We get a particular diagnosis and we begin to Google it as if somehow we are doctors and we begin to go down rabbit trails and we've already in our minds built up 25 scenarios of what it could be because we just keep adding to worry. What I love about this text is Paul doesn't flippantly like dismiss worry. He doesn't tell us to go, go bury your head in the sand. Rather, he shows us what to do. This is what I want. Someone tell me what to do, what to do so that I can proactively guard my heart and my mind against the adverse effects of worry. What I'm talking and when I'm talking about worry and anxiety, I totally understand that there are many factors involved in this, including genetics and brain chemistry, personality and and life events. You know, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the USA, and they affect about 40 million adults that are 18 and over. I need you to hear this. That's that's over 18.1% of the population every year. And due to the effects of COVID and this pandemic, stress and worry and anxiety levels have dramatically increased and especially amongst teenagers. You know, every study that I read preparing for this message showed that there are actually very concerning elevation rates in the numbers of teenagers that are suffering from anxiety. Look, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm a firm believer in the amazing work that doctors and therapists do in the area of anxiety and worry. And I wanna affirm and encourage the importance of getting professional help if that's what you need. So I believe that we need to have a holistic approach when we're addressing worry and anxiety. And and I don't wanna reduce it to a simplistic formula that doesn't take the whole person and our lived experience into consideration. So having said that, I specifically am going to be talking about this issue from a spiritual perspective and I hope to inspire every single one of us to apply the practices that Paul outlines in this text so that we can walk in the peace that our God has available for us. Listen, I want you to know that it is the will of God and the purpose of God that you walk in the peace of God. And if you and I commit to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with thanksgiving and prayer and supplication, make our requests known to God. Then I believe that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your heart and mind in Jesus' Name. Hey, thanks for listening. We really hope today's message has encouraged you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. For links and more, you can go to christinekane.com. We'll see you next time.